1: Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain, or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
0: The panel
2: panel time yes it's ten twenty-one here on SENZ and it's a news hub double up this morning with uh, Alex Chapman and Tom Bartlett uh, side by side uh, I'll start with you Tom because you're the senior I understand um, the super rugby uh, debate that's uh, starting to rear I guess a uh, sort of an ugly head between Australia and New Zealand how are you seeing this uh, in its early stages yeah good
1: morning Smithy. um look it's a uh to begin with to be honest um so the, I, I, my first read of this was it's a little bit of um hot air from the rugby australia uh, chairman who has been known to say a few things hasn't he over the the time and rightly so he's been standing up for his his body that's what he's got to do it's his players it's his his organization it's uh, the sport over there that he he represents and i, I have no problem with that I, i'm a little bit perplexed as to obviously the timing like a lot of people the the timing of what he made these comments and then the the subsequent kind of double down um despite the fact of you know reading this morning um smithy and chappy that that, that the there is some some kind of he's getting a a few warnings or a few suggestions just to perhaps look in his own backyard just initially to make sure he's got all the numbers stacked up here before he starts threatening so it's a an interesting perspective um i certainly don't have any um, beef with him um making the comments and wanting to do what's best for for, for rugby on Australia But it appears to me some pretty smart heads Including the current Wallabies coach Is kind of uh, perhaps urging uh, Maybe don't don't pull the trigger too early pal. We, we need to kind of make sure this is right for us And, and perhaps playing against New Zealand In this this um, Super Rugby Pacific competition Is the way to go So interesting perspective, Smithy But uh, I'm not convinced that um, it's anything other than uh, A bit of hot air
2: OK, Alex Chapman, what's your view on it? Yeah, morning, Smithy Morning, buddy
0: Um Uh, I I have no issue with the fact that he said it. I think the way he's gone about it is pretty disappointing, though. Um, And I think he's kidding himself, to be honest, if he thinks that Rugby Australia can thrive without New Zealand rugby, they're struggling to survive as is, let alone thrive. So New Zealand rugby holds most of the cards here, and I think for whatever reason, the has decided to play this out in public, and having a crack at an organisation which does have more power... Been his own, from what I understand, engineers actually barely heard anything from him about this before the subs play out last week, and we're incredibly frustrated with how it's all played out. And as Tom says, if, if even Dave Rennie's raising concerns about it, then you're probably a little bit offside there.
2: Tom, do you reckon if we if, just say it eventuated? I mean, it's you know, it's a long way off ever happening that way, but if it eventuated, we, we were and they were to go it alone. How do you think it would affect our standard of rugby?
1: Yeah, I'd be concerned. I've got to say, uh, Smithy, I'd I'd be concerned that uh, we wouldn't be exposing enough of our professional players to a a different style. I mean, one of the things that that worried me particularly, and it it still worries me, to be honest, about the the loss of the South Africans to the super rugby competition, is that the style of rugby that um, puts our our best players um, in a different environment and puts them You know, not only kind of having to travel to the Republic, but also just the the combative way that the the South Africans approach the game. And I know that Australia tends to play a similar um, style to us, but still they bring something different. They bring, um, you know, they bring faces that and game plans perhaps that um, that can challenge the New Zealand teams. And obviously, currently we, uh, from a New Zealand perspective, have have the measure of that. But that's not to say down the line. I mean, I think that. Um, you know, some of the stuff we saw out of the, the Brumbies this year suggests that that's, it's a challenging style to play when it's played well, and I think it's a good challenge for New Zealand. So I'd be concerned that we would lose that. Uh, would it have an impact on um, our ability to put out a, a really top, uh, like all black squad, for example, Certainly, uh, I'm, I'm not too sure whether that would have a uh, an immediate impact, but I just think if it was to be a long term thing, then you're just taking something away from from the current group that, that are out there, the current um, five super clubs and of Pacifica and those things that that, that is good to be exposed to. So, yeah, um, would it have an impact? I think it would, it would
2: eventually. OK, interesting. Uh, of course, the third cricket test starts tonight, uh, Alex Chapman. Uh, so a lot of people we're burning the midnight oil for, uh, perhaps a dead rubber. But uh, from my point of view, it's a seriously important game for the New Zealand cricket team in particular. Uh, to arrest or stop the bleeding as such and uh, just say that they're, they're not a unit uh, that is uh, going through a bit of a crisis period
0: well, and they're a team that hasn't been swept and I think it was 2016 was the last time they lost a, a series so uh, were swept in a series by England. So it's it's been a long time coming. And you say there's pressure on the team. I don't think I'd ever think I'd say this, but there's pressure on the captain. Because Kane Williamson is now coming back into a team which scored 550 in the first innings and the second test, looked really good and, yeah, kind of fell over a little bit in, in the second innings. But at the end of the day, England just had an absolute day out with the bat themselves and New Zealand didn't bowl overly well. But Williamson, I don't know if it's... it's a, if it's the elbow is playing with his head a little bit or, or what, because and, and don't get me wrong, King Williamson is probably one of the most mentally strong people that we've ever had in the history of New Zealand cricket, or New Zealand sport, New Zealand cricket, so I, I'm not sure if it's that or, or he's just a little bit out of nick or what, but Williamson needs to to come out and play a captain's But I'm, I'm stoked to see Neil Wagner is probably going to be back in this team. I'm excited to see if Aj Patel ends up bowling more than two overs like he did in the first test. Um, and, and this New Zealand team really does just need to front and go up against a team which is riding an absolute wave of confidence at the moment, and that is a very dangerous team to be playing against.
2: It certainly is, uh, and we, we all know uh, from our point of view, a, a, a very positive and performing Brendan McCullum on the field of play was um, a great asset. And it now appears, Tom, as if he's just settled into this new job unbelievably quickly. And it's a hell of a high-pressure job coaching England at cricket.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, you couldn't have, uh, you know, he couldn't have—you know—he couldn't have walked into a more difficult situation, really, could he? Really, in terms of um, the fact that England were you're low on confidence and. You know they they removed the captaincy from you know one of their their greats and and Joe Root and and left him kind of just to focus on run scoring, which he was doing already. Um, but I just I do I, I feel like he's it's it's kind of a remarkable story of um and and of course you're just talking there before um Smithy about um you know the the sort of the, the chance can he Zealand to respond here to to what's happened and and they're responding against the team that is playing the game that they like to play, the, that confidence approach, that no-fear approach, and, and what's the response going to be? To, to find yourself 2-0 down uh, in a series um, against a team that had a new captain and a new coach, yeah, I mean, maybe a lot of people didn't see that coming, but uh, it's certainly presented a heck of a challenge for this New Zealand squad, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they, they go about trying to wrestle it. So I don't think they've played badly in the, in the series. There has been some moments, obviously, where it hasn't been, hasn't been great, but they were... They were just beaten by, you know, a, a, you know, as Chappie said, a, a team riding that wave of confidence. I and mean, day five at Trent Bridge was was something else. It's a, you just don't see that very often. And uh, and I can't wait to see how they respond here. I think this is a, it's all set up brilliantly, in the the inclusion of particularly of Neil Wagner. Um, I'm always I'd always try and have him in my team if I could. And, uh, Smithy, that's just my personal um, approach in it. I know that um, there's there's rhymes and reasons for, for different selections, but I love the way he plays the game. I love what he's done for New Zealand, and I think this is the kind of guy that perhaps they need at this particular stage of this series. So really looking forward to this one.
2: Yeah, I'd be picking him. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'd be picking him. I haven't seen the pitch. From all accounts, it, uh, the weather might be fine for the first one or two days, which means it might dry out more quickly. And I'd love to see uh, a specialist spinner have a crack uh, at England because I know England are going to have a crack at a specialist spinner and it's a good test of ajs Patel's uh, metal, really, uh, more than anything else, as to whether he can bowl himself through that uh, particular onslaught. That will be the McCullum-Stokes way. You can bet on that. It is 10.30 here on SENZ. Alex Chapman and Tom Bartlett are with us this morning on the panel. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Uh, we might look at some uh, rugby league coming up this weekend, bit of golf, and uh, a story coming out of Eden Park that they might need some money to help them out. The panel. Talk, talk, talk me, yeah. Yeah. We have Tom Bartlett with us this morning, and we also have uh, Alex Chapman as our two panellists. And uh, Alex, uh, I think Mount Smart uh, you has know, seen a little bit of uh, Moana Pacifica rugby, Um, They've had some decent sort of crowds there But uh, I think they're going to uh, almost put the SRO The standing room only sign up uh, this weekend It's going to be massive The Kiwis uh, and Tonga What an occasion And Michael Maguire has named four debutants In his squad to take the visitors on
0: Yeah, who would have thought that both a rugby team And an international rugby league team Would be back at Mount Smart before the Warriors But uh, such are the times I think the For some casual NRL fans, they may not know a lot of these or some of these Kiwis players, but you look at someone like Dylan Brown, who's an absolute gun, uh, I love this halves combination for the Kiwis. I think it's really going to have a lot of excitement and a lot of wizardry about it, led by Jerome Hughes. And and then what a story is is Ronaldo Molotalo. And I thought... Um, the story that, a little bit of a shameless plug Newtom.co.nz if you want to see it James Reagan, one of my colleagues, did yesterday with him It's a remarkable story, he thought he was going to be playing Origin a year ago and now he's playing for New Zealand, so the fact that he's going to potentially have a point to prove uh, as well, it's a mobile but also big forward pack for New Zealand and uh, I think Tonga will be in it for a little bit of a game uh, and then New Zealand potentially will, will probably just run over the top of them and the odds at the tab suggest that as well
2: and the Kiwi Ferns as a curtain raiser, so both uh, the men and women having a, a, a crack at International League for the first time in a while. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, Tom Bartlett, it, uh, it's a nice, interesting exercise. And, and uh, here's a chance for Michael Maguire to get a, a win under his belt after losing his job uh, at West, of course. Um, and for only, one, only one warrior is part of the group, which um, is a little bit disappointing, I would imagine, but I suppose predictable.
1: Yeah, look, I don't think there's too many, um, you know, arguments really, uh, Smithy, around the, the squad that Michael Maguire is... First, I know there was some, uh, you know, a bit of comment around Sean Johnson and, and his place in, in the international game, perhaps, going forward and those kind of things. But but Michael Maguire's is, is job is to is to coach a team that, that can win and can beat, beat Tonga, a very... Good Tong and team, so um, I, I don't think there's any, there's, as I say, any argument against the team. I think Michael Maguire. Um, yeah, you, you touched on the fact that he's had a pretty tough, tough old time at club level with the, uh, you know, the, the the loss of his job at, at the Tigers. But look, he's a he's a focused coach. He's a good coach. He knows how to get the best out of players when when he needs to. And I think this group. I mean, you, t- you know, Chappy touched on you know the the Dylan Browns and particularly Ronaldo Milatello and and Moses Lyoto, the Panthers part of that Panthers side that's gone so well uh, in the last couple of years. There are some some debutants in this Kiwi team, but there also there's a core there um, of experienced players. I mean, someone like Kieran Foran, I think, a long time uh, perhaps uh, we had thought maybe we'd seen the last of Kieran Foran and a Kiwis jumper, but remembering he's, he's just 31, he's not that old but he's just had so many problems, I, I can't wait to see this, uh, this game uh, Smithy, I think it's a, it's a Tonga, uh, it's been spoken about for so long, but they did bring the international game back to life uh, when they burst um, back into back into things mm. a few years ago. and while we haven't seen rugby league for a while um, what a chance to do it at, at Mount Smart, a, a spiritual home of rugby league in New Zealand and, 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 a, and a place where you'll just, that, that, that sea of red uh, you won't be able to make it
2: No, you won't be able to miss it. I I well remember, you know, the sight of almost the convoy traveling to that game with the flags and the people basically hanging out the windows. It was just um, unbelievably special last time around. So if they can get any sort of that, uh, semblance of that uh, over the weekend at Mount Smart, they're uh, in for a party and a half. You know, fellas, and uh, I'll start with you, Tom, on this one. Uh, Golf was uh, always one of those sports where you thought was almost untouchable in, in terms of well, trouble, splits, all sorts of things, um, people name calling etc but now it, it really is going through the ringer uh, and now we hear that uh, the British Open run of course by the RNA, probably one of the most uh, proper sporting bodies in the world has uh, decided to allow the LIV, the live golfers uh, into the uh, Open Championship which was an interesting one, it's sort of I would imagine disappoints uh, the PGA people. They're looking to to have a united force against this LIVs. How do you how do you read this situation? Kepka it looks like it's going to the LIV. Where do you think this is going to end, or is it ever going to end?
1: Great, great question, Smithy. I mean, I, you touched on the fact that the R and I mean, if ever there was a, a conservative, conservatively to the uh, to the past kind of organisation, it's, it's those guys. They they have really struggled to move with the times at times. So that's why I'm kind of done, that they've, they've just said, you know what, you know, we're just going to let this happen um, just because of their, their history, I suppose, and, and and being a bit resistant to this kind of stuff. But I don't know if we are going to see the end of it. Clearly, there are a group of um, golfers that will stay loyal to the PGA um, and have said that very publicly, whether or not, I mean, I know that Brooks Kepka had talked, uh, had given indications not that long ago that he wasn't that interested in joining this, this Saudi-backed um, live golf tournament, uh, golf event, and yet here he is. So I don't know whether money's spoken in his uh, his will or not, but he's obviously. I wouldn't call it a, a change of direction from him, but he certainly indicated he was more likely to stay uh, with the PGA, than he, he clearly hasn't. So, with that in mind, um, who really knows where it's going to stop? Because we're hearing a lot of uh, talk from those who are currently, uh, you know, have committed to the PGA, say they're going to stay and do and you know play on that tour, that they won't be making a switch, but. I get the feeling, you know, every man here might have his price on this, uh, Smithy. I hope that's not the case, but um, it can be. It, you can understand why they might just be getting a little bit like, well, maybe we need to get on board with this or not.
2: Uh, it's an interesting one for me, uh, Alex, because one of the things that uh, I I would imagine those players, I won't say deserting and going, uh, just crossing the fence and playing on the L O V Uh, mini-circuit as it is as such. One of the things that would have concerned them the most was the fact that they might not be allowed to play the Majors. Now, of course, the U.S. Golf Association let them play the U.S. Open. Uh, The R&A are going to let them play the Open Championship as such. So all of a sudden, it may be not quite so um, harmful to their desires within their careers if they can still play the Majors. Yeah, if Majors
0: are going to let them keep playing, then players are going to keep jumping across, aren't they? They can still play the pinnacle events like the Majors and earn even more money by playing on the Live Tour than they would on the PGA, and they don't have to worry about going and playing some random midweek tournaments in middle of nowhere Ohio, for example, just to keep things turning over then they're going to keep jumping across. They said they're the most morally upright people in the world, which golfers have shown in the last month or so, that apparently they're not, as we've seen with Brooks And as Tom mentioned, the fact that not that long ago, he said he's going to stay with the PGA Tour, and now all of a sudden the check has come calling and he's going to jump across. And I suppose in some ways it is understandable, and it's a position I don't know if I'd want to be in uh, as, as a person, to think, OK, do I chase the money or do I stay morally upright, I think the way a lot of the, the golfers have handled those questions of their morals, and we saw it last week with the likes of um, Lee Westwood I think it was, and the fact that they've been really pushed on it and how comfortable they are with it, and we saw it yesterday with Anthony Joshua, the boxer as well That that's really a uh, rock and a hard place type situation I think for some of them, if they haven't really thoughts about it, and I think the immediacy of this and the, how quickly they have jumped to and from or jumped straight into this tournament, that perhaps they haven't had time to stop and think and reflect of the overall potential outcomes of it. And I thought Rory McIlroy has actually become really good at kind of becoming the, the voice of the PGA players at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, McIlroy v Greg Norman. Um, McElroy, I I just sense, uh, if I was watching the the Canadian Open, of course, which he won, and then the uh, the, uh, United States Open seems extremely, extremely popular, even more so than he has been in the past, uh, because of, of his open stance for Uh, I guess, the tried and true. Uh, A story coming out of uh, Eden Park. I just saw a headline not uh, too long ago, actually. Uh, Alex Chapman, uh, the trust, seeking $6.3 million in ratepayer money as such. How do you think that'll go down?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the tone of your voice says it all, how it's going to go down for me. If it's because they're concerned about how it's going to look with the FIFA World Cup, then I guess they have to do it. But... It, it shows and I, I love Eden Park. I love Eden Park for the history of it. I love Eden Park for going and sitting in, in the most upright and hot high parts of the stadium and watching my super rugby team get absolutely bent over by the Crusaders last weekend. I even enjoyed that, believe it or not. <laughs> and I know a lot of non-Aucklanders might not like hearing this um, because we do whinge about it a lot, but it probably shows what a terrible decision it was. 15 years ago to not have this multi-purpose mm-hmm. waterfront stadium uh, and it's like, I love Eden Park I've had some wonderful personal memories of going to Eden Park but it, 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 it's worn out and we, we need some sort of a solution and I don't think throwing millions of dollars every year or two at it is the solution at the moment
2: Okay, and Tom Bartlett, you've uh, seen plenty of sport at Eden Park what are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but I, I feel like this is the um, this is it's like this is the bed you've got to sleep in it. We've we had a chance, and I say we, uh, me, I didn't have I didn't have a vote on it. But um, the you know there was a chance a few years ago to to do something different, and that was rejected. So uh, and whoever is responsible for that council, you know, governments, ratepayers, players, whoever was had a vote at the table. In the end, we stuck with Eden Park. We. Um, got this stadium, Um, it does it is rich in history, do I think we we would be better served by another one? Yes, but in the meantime, we have to keep this up to a standard that we don't compromise or or, uh, put at risk big events, if we're going to, you know, at the moment Eden Park is obviously a, you know, pretty much a a rugby ground with with cricket played there, you know, and certainly in recent times, very recently, so we need, if we're going to try and get events like the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in particular that's obviously due here next year, we need to keep Eden Park uh, at level, and they need six point three million dollars to do that. And as long as that money's been, been well spent, then I feel like this is the um, unfortunately, if that's the price we're going to have to pay to to ensure that that Auckland um, keeps top level sport.
2: Totally agree. I think it's a fait comply. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was just gonna because if, if we are to put money into a stadium, though, and I as I like, I'm, I'm
0: a proud Aucklander. It needs to be Christchurch. If we are going to put any money into a stadium, it has to be Christchurch. It's not about building a new one or pumping money into a park. We need to
2: be prioritising that. OK. Um, certainly something's got to happen down there. There's no doubt about it. Alex Chapman, Tom Bartlett have been our panellists this morning. Thank you very much, uh, gentlemen. Have uh, an enjoyable extended weekend, if you are able. Thank you for your time. We'll have another one uh, on Monday morning. At a-